0: beloved church of god beginning our service before god let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope Let the resurrection of christ reign in our bodies let us bow our heads in prayer heavenly father in the name of jesus christ we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be in this place that Your hand has outlined for the worship of Your Holy Name. And so allow Your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed, as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, Premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this. Let it depart from the tents of your holy nation and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you, in the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance give us more from your spirit fill us with your holy spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance may the service be presented into your divine arms guide it with your uplifted hand almighty god father son and holy spirit amen may the lord bless you you may be seated
1: before we continue to study our unsearchable inheritance the Unsearchable Inheritance of Christ. The unchanging epigraph of our study of our inheritance is the book of Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Saying these words, he began to leave them and the cloud took them from their sight him from their sight these were the last words where he he told them that everything that was written about him in scripture has been fulfilled and so now everything that has been fulfilled about him needs to be fulfilled about us as well because we are the body of Christ this doesn't belong just to the head alone but belongs to the entire Christ and in Christ God saw us and so when Christ said this he meant his church and so that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in scripture we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in the heart what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our formal way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. Ephesians 4.22-24 You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 4.22-24 This is the calling of every holy person who comes to God, if he does not understand this calling and chooses for himself something different, a different form of service or calling, thinking that he needs to, his calling is to serve, yes, we need to be kings and priests to God. But to be kings and priests to God, we need to put off our former way of life. We need to renew our mind by the spirit of our mind. And after that, we need to count ourselves dead to sin, living for God, and clothe our body into the new person, <clears throat> proclaiming the non-existent stronghold of incorruption in our body as existent. And if a person will not comprehend this, then this means that he has a stiff neck. This is a, a stiff-necked person or a hard-hearted person, because God gives the humble knowledge. He gives people the ability, his, his people that are humble, the uh, an opportunity to see the right path or way. To fulfill this decreeing commandment, we need to put three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. These are to put off, be renewed, and put on. Fulfilling these three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental requirements will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. Every person that is born from God, he is given the option to choose life and death A blessing or curse a person thinks that if, if he is saved he has eternal life, no you are saved, you are given salvation in the form of a seed and now you need to make a choice either death or life and what a person chooses death, it's easy to be in it, it is the natural state in which he is in, it satisfies him he's comfortable in it the life of God is contradictory to the life in the flesh, and to this governing sin in us. And of course, a person needs to make a choice. And if he does not choose correctly, then he himself will, tr- will transform himself into a vessel of wrath. From this, we can make a conclusion that the s- uh, Our salvation, that is to happen, that is given to us in the format of a seed, which identifies the deposit or guarantee of our justification that is given to us in salvation, where we need to turn the three above-mentioned acts into profit in the death of the Lord Jesus so that salvation can become our possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Otherwise, we will forever lose the justification that is given to us in the format of a deposit or the format of a guarantee which is why then our names, that when we made a covenant of blood, a covenant of salt, and covenant of peace with God in the baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire that were written into the book of life in the format of the given to us guarantee will forever be blotted out of the book of life. Maybe someone is surprised by this. Is it possible to make a covenant of blood, salt, and peace in the baptisms of water, Holy Spirit, and fire and still be blotted out of the book of life yes there is there such a danger when we make a covenant with God in the baptisms of water holy Spirit and fire we also make this covenant in the format of a seed not in the format of fruit this covenant and in this covenant we need to grow and this covenant needs to be confirmed within us any agreement any agreement requires confirmation a seal. We have this covenant, but we need to confirm it, and it's confirmed by us dying in the death of the Lord Jesus for our nation, the house of our Father, and for the destructive desires of our soul. That is when our covenant is confirmed. If. A person in the death of the Lord Jesus will not confirm the covenant of the in that he made in the baptisms with God, then his name will be blotted out of the book of life. In a specific format, we already looked at the process contained in the first two requirements and stopped to study the process of the third requirement and specifically what conditions we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of the glory of our new person that is created according to God in. In Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. Relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit, with the wisdom and authority that he alone has, reveals the demands according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Yon, or God Most High. And this condition consists in us calling upon the Most High as to our God and proclaiming the faith of our heart when we are in the circumstances of our tight situation, casting off the old man. We call upon him stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, who we are to God in Jesus Christ, and what do we need to do so that we can inherit all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We note that the given allegory is one of the most powerful and voluminous examples demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind as King David with the name of God Most High and their violent conflict with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul and with governing sin as our old person with his deeds. He, this old person, it, he supports King Saul, and King Saul supports him. And it is by the means of the collaboration of our faith with the faith of God, consisting of who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what he has done, who we are to him, God can receive the proper basis he needs to join the battle for our earthly body, so he can shame the governing within our body sin, with, which is the old person with his deeds, with the crushing power of his redemption, and with noise forever thrust him out into hell. As soon as this will happen, our bodies will become incorrupt or imperishable. Although we proclaim the not-existent as existent, we count ourselves dead to sin, living for God, we continue to age and we get sick. And the reason for that is, although we have bound the old man with his deeds inside of us, we have not yet removed him from the throne. He does not rule, but he is still in our body, in in a prison, as it were. The, our body, so uh, it, our our body was a house for him, and now it's it's become a prison for him. So he is off the throne, but he's in a prison. And so, when the devil wanted to kill Christ, he didn't know Christ took the sin into himself and the devil practically killed himself in Jesus Christ because he had become sin for us. And when the devil killed him on the cross, he killed him, Christ, with himself. You see how unwise it is to uh, saw off the branch that you sit upon. He caught himself into this mousetrap and Christ resurrected. And when he resurrected, we resurrected together with him. You will say, well, we don't feel that. Some do feel it within their spirit. And sometimes it even is affecting our emotional self. Why does it sometimes affect even our emotional self? Because we have become free of depression from a bad mood. When you don't want to live, when you don't care about anything, this is the attack of the spirit of death. And he attacks specifically when we don't have a tight relationship with God. This needs to be a an alarm for you, not to drink antidepressants, but to run to God. Tell the Lord, Lord, I die for my old man. I die for my desires may your mercy be upon me as david called out in his tight situation to god and so in its character the prayer psalm of david contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example of the character of our legitimate prayer belonging to us as kings priests and prophets the first part identifies the state of the heart of david as a warrior in prayer as well as our heart which is the required basis for the legitimate status of this prayer, intrinsic to kings, priests, and prophets. second part opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer itself. How do we need to pray, which belongs to kings, priests, and prophets, which gives God the proper basis to deliver us in the form of David or image of David from the hands of all of our enemies? Because looking at David, we see our new person. And Saul, this is our carnal mind, that is resisting David, wants to kill David, not agreeing with him, is jealous of him, and so forth. And so if David will not save Saul, then he will perish. And David saves Saul in Saul's uh, grandson. If you remember that beautiful example, when he sat at his table and... He told david i'm aI'm a dead dog, as it were. He called himself that way." And David was very merciful uh, to to him because when Saul pursued David, David said, "Who am I that you keep pursuing me?" But Saul understood that he wasn't just anyone, that he is an anointed one. He's anointed by God, but for some reason. God does not have conversation or fellowship with Saul, but He does with David. We note that the anointing, that anointing is not a guarantee to salvation that people today greatly desire, this anointing. A guarantee to salvation is being a warrior in prayer. David was a warrior in prayer. He was an anointed of God. Uh, Saul was anointed by God, but was not a warrior in prayer. And so, that's why he told Israel, I anointed him in my wrath, but David, he anointed him uh, because he favored him. And so, you ask, why did God need to, in his anger, anoint our mind? Because if he didn't, how would we be able to serve God? We are born from God, we hear the Word of God, what we need to do, what we don't need to do, and this all passes through our soul. And so, He does need to be anointed, because only through Him does everything happen. But then, we need to do what? We need to lose our soul, so that we can re-obtain it in a new form, by losing our soul, with its uh, great uh, intellect that's anointed. We receive it once again, and in the grandson of Saul, and now he's obedient to David. He's absolutely obedient to David and is his servant. And David uh, treats him with great respect and consideration, and he showed mercy. As you remember, that David made a covenant with Jonathan. The third part illustrates the prayer battle itself and it contains an epic genre which is beyond the limitations of the typical human mind of a man and in a specific format where you looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer in eight names of god most high getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David in these eight names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so that he can be saved from his enemies and if a person will not get to know God in his names he will not be able to love him how can you love someone you don't know and especially you can't see him with your physical eyes how can you love God you can, by learning, getting to know th- through the Word, and by the Word, listening to the Word, learning who God is to us in Jesus Christ and what He has done for us in these eight names that are part of the covenant, we then develop a reverent love for God. We ha- have the have a great desire to see our Father, uh, His face, and know what His heart is like. Because, you know, when people... That were grown up in uh, orphanages, and then they find out that they have a father, or mother somewhere. They look for them. They want to find them, even if they're bad. Uh, they want to see them still. They want to know them. And this is a worldly father, although even though he's he may not be a good person or or mother. I want to see who bore me. They, that's what they have this desire. But here we see God bore us, but we don't know Him. And how can I, we, I love Him? How can we love Him if we don't know Him? That's why we need to know God's names, because in His names He reveals Himself to His children. And He wants that His children desire to know Him. And when He sees that His children seek Him, He says, If you seek Me, I will be found by you. You will find Me. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and it will be good for us. And he responded to him, all this time I have been with you, Philip, and you don't know me. Do you not know that I am in the Father, and and he is in me? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. And so when we get to know God's names, these eight uh, names, we begin to then reflect the character of the Father, and people can actually become familiar with God through us, and not looking at our face, but looking at our character, the angels see our new person, and they're in awe. Why? Because they've never seen God with their eyes, and they have the opportunity to see God in the church, in the, the the many forms of God's grace that's in the church because the church has many faces, as it were, and they begin to see God's character that they serve, the one whom they serve. They've never seen God. They hear his voice. They feel his power. They tremble before him, but they've never seen him, and only looking at his church can they see him. And so getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David, which are are in these eight names of God, allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so that he can be saved from his enemies. And God getting to know and confessing the truth that opens up the power of his names within the heart of David provided God with a legitimate basis to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David. And he used David's confessions David proclaimed who God is to him. He ta- he takes these confessions and he uses it in battle against the enemies of David. He sent the archangel Michael and his army f- to his nation. But these officers together with their callings with 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 their with their power they can't do anything. Their their armor is our confession and When we confess, not what our feelings say, not what the doctors say, not what the politicians say, not what false apostles and teachers say, or people that are of the flesh or carnal men, but what the Lord says in His Word, what He says through His apostles, His prophets, when we look at this, then God has the proper basis He needs to take this confession and clothe us into that confession. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1-4 I called to the Lord, and so we need to know how to call upon the Lord. If a person doesn't know how to call upon the Lord, he will not be able to do this. That doesn't mean to get on your knees and shout, where are you, where are you Lord? <clears throat> or just to praise him. That's not what it, that means. To call uh, upon the Lord is, listen to what he says first. A person offers himself a an offering as a sacrifice, as an offering. I stand... Uh, watch, and I was I stood on the rampart as we read to to, and I waited to hear what he will say to me. And so, eight names. The time has come for us together to proclaim who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what He has done for us in these eight names. And so, together, Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear this again and again. May he clothe us into these confessions. May he confirm this in our heart. And may it be within our heart a rock that we trust upon may this be medicine against any depression and any frustration this is a spirit of death drive them out drive them away proclaim who God is to you and just as what we did now stand up and out loud begin to proclaim Lord you are my strength only uh, say it loudly Lord you are my fortress and so forth and so and so forth proclaim it loudly two or three times is enough to proclaim these names and you will see that you won't need pills anymore you won't need antidepressants your emotions will uh, awaken because they depend on your confessions they depend on your words the words of faith the truth that you have put into your heart that you just confessed As much as the Lord has allowed and according to the measure of our faith, we already studied our inherited lot in Christ Jesus in the power of five names of God in the form of our strength, our rock, our fortress, our deliverer, and living rock, and stopped to study our unsearchable inherited lot in Christ Jesus contained in the name of God who is our living shield. Considering that the given nature of prayer, where David confesses his inherited lot in the eight names of God Most High, identifies the covenant that is made between God and man. In the eighth day, an infant was circumcised. And this number eight is a number of the covenant. This is a symbol of a covenant. Getting to know the eight names of God, which identify God's covenant with us, is a strategic teaching which is purposed to be the calling of every warrior in prayer, ones that have the virtues of kings, priests, and prophets who are anointed to rule over the earthly body. If a person has not accepted the given to him anointing, has not learned the given to him anointing to govern over his calling, which is his mortal body, in the status of a king, priest, and prophet, so that he can change it into the virtue of a heavenly body, then this revelation that is purposed for worshipping God in prayer will not benefit him in any way. The name of God in the virtue of our living shield is presented in scripture as a living protection that is ranked in scripture for warriors in prayer as their military armor or their weaponry. The purpose of such a shield is called by God to block us and protect us as warriors in prayer who battle for the interests of the will of God. Therefore, the name of God in the form of our living shield consists in standing between us and our enemies and in this way take upon himself the hits of the perverse, vile curse that is passed on to us by the corrupt seed of the sinful life of our Father in the flesh. And to give God the legitimate foundation to stand at our right side, as well as between us and our enemies, so that in the one and other situation, he can take the hits that are directed at us by our enemies upon himself, it is necessary for us to collaborate our faith with the name of God. Living shield, And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Exodus 14, 19, 20. Here we see that <coughs> a living shield works only for a person that came out of Egypt. This shield also showed himself in Egypt in the blood that was applied upon the doorposts and lintel of the the houses, the blood of the lamb, the Pesach lamb. He uh, saved them there. But here... He protected them, not from the wrath of God, but from the wrath of Egypt, from this carnal man who rules and governs over us, from Saul. This symbolizes Saul also. The carnal mind is, is... is a carnal person, and Egypt is a symbol of the soul, and we see how the soul, no different than, than this Egypt, this is symbolic, and he pursues us, and we feel, when our mind is not obeying, he suddenly begins to rebel. Why is it that he is being uh, belittled as he thinks? Why he's not given the ability to decide what is good and evil? Why he, does he need to understand, as the pastor says, he has his own opinion, he has his own way of seeing. The mind begins to to boil with, with rebellion. But when you humble him, then he looks uh, with great respect upon the new person. And he awaits w- trembling to hear the word of God uh, from the person whom God has placed. <clears throat> In the given circumstances when the Egypt of our soul tries to return us or take us back to slavery, our new person collaborating with the name of God, shield will hear the noise of the pursuing enemy who is targeting him and the one from whom he has initially been delivered. And it happens that this fatal hit that is directed at us, Against us and against our liberty from sin falls upon Christ at this moment, who will be taken from the earth and will be nailed to the cross, as it is written, "I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's, to my mother's children, because zeal for your house has eaten me up." His house is we are is us together, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Psalm 69, 8, 9 They reproach God, not directly. They reproach the house of God and his house is is us they reproach why because this, <clears throat> this is the house of the heavenly father and he says i have zeal for your house because it is reproached and so what you call yourself children of god and you call yourself saints <clears throat> and what you behave this way the devil also comes and accuses saying look He reminds you of old sins, he reminds God of your old sins, and God opens up a book and it's clean, then there's nothing there, and the devil doesn't believe that it's clean, that you've been cleansed, and he always tries to flag these sins before your eyes. And so you need to remember, when sin comes to your memory, that God has forgiven, that you have confessed, then at this time, the devil has brought these to God and is showing him. And so, God can't tell him directly that there's nothing in my book, but he can say it through us. At this time, when this memory comes, you can say, thank you, Lord, that you have blotted out my sins. And God will state these things through you, because it needs to be in your heart. And so, he says those uh, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me, because he takes a sin upon himself, the sin of the of the house of God, to deliver us from the evil age. Therefore, the quality and lexicon in identifying the name of God's shield, as with the previous names of God Most High, are not able to be found in any dictionary of the world, so to be our living shield, so that he can take upon himself the hits of the vile curse that pursues us by the sinful seed of our fathers, This is to protect and block us from the wrath of God, which is what happened in Egypt. God protected them from his wrath by the applied uh, blood upon the doorposts. Protect and block us from the deception of the evil one. And as you remember that the... uh, the, the sorcerers in Egypt also did the same things, the same signs that Aaron, uh, Moses and Aaron were doing. They cast their, their staffs, if you remember, they became serpents. And then the sorcerers of Egypt also did the same thing. But the sorcerers, uh, and so Moses' staff as a serpent swallowed up the serpents of the sorcerers, if you remember. And so these were... Uh, princes, these uh, were very famous people. These people had golden uh, rods or staffs. Uh, They were gold and they were pure gold with gems. These are the kind of things that they had and Moses' uh, rod or staff devoured, if you remember, swallowed up their rods. And as we know that the rods often, uh, as Moses was, uh, as a shepherd's staff, it, it had a hook so that they can pull out a lamb if it gets stuck or falls into a, a, a ditch or a hole. And if a lion or, or bear w- would attack, uh, it could also be used to uh, protect the, the, the sheep. And as you remember, Moses said, or David said, that I had even killed lion and bear to protect the flock. And I will do the same thing here with this Philistine. To protect and block us from the evil and slanderous tongue. A slanderous tongue are carnal people who accept bad rumors about one another, rumors about one another, and spread them. Or jealousy. Or just even as jokes. Sometimes they, they want to don't don't joke with one another. and. As a, it's mocking, and you can maybe uh, mock and, and laugh at the devil and do it like Elijah did. He said, maybe your God, he told them, is on the toilet because he was... Um, not not doing what they were asking him to do at the time. He was it was being delayed, and he was making fun of their gods. And so, why do we make fun of unfortunate saints that maybe don't have the same opportunities, abilities, uh, opportunities maybe intellectually or 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 whatever it may be in the world? People make fun of people that are poor. They make fun of them because one that is strong, you will not uh, laugh at them or make fun of them because there will be consequences and so they make fun of those that are weaker than they are. Let us stop laughing uh, and making fun of the weak that are within our camp. There will always be those that are weaker in our camp and let us instead lift them up to our level instead, instead of laughing at them. Protect and block us from the curse of all nature of illness. When the doctors will be uh, writing out a verdict that is fatal, doctors themselves say that seventy percent of these verdicts uh, they're false. They can't accurately diagnose. Only and from a hundred percent, maybe a thirty percent is correctly diagnosed. And so often they can't diagnose correctly and so they can't always know how to treat a person. They, they they think they know and they try different things and then they finally when when they find one that works, they rejoice as a as a kid. For months I went to a doctor and he could not he could not figure out what it was. I had a lot of pain. It's either my heart or something else, and he kept checking everything and saying everything's normal, everything's normal. And only after uh, this and unf- uh, finally he then discovered that I had shingles, and he became so glad, like a little child, and he sh- showed uh, he opened an encyclopedia and showed me what I had, and he said I have a good pill, and he gave me five pills. I don't remember how many it was exactly. I think it was five, and it was one pill a day, and. At the, after the second date of taking the pills, all my pains uh, disappeared. But if he would have understood this immediately, then... Do you know how many of these kinds of people I've met that... I asked a brother once, what is going on? You, you seem... And he was saying, I have a lot of pain, and the wife... And the wife was saying, well, he has no pain, uh, but he, she doesn't see that he the pain, because she doesn't feel it, but he feels it, and he had a lot of pain. shingles is is terrible and sometimes people can even get it on their eyes and they can become blind sometimes people are even born with this and it it sometimes comes back it's a, it, and this so this is a curse from all nature of illness but god has delivered us from this nature of illness this curse and so we say the Lord, thank you that you have delivered me from this illness. You have taken it upon yourself." And I began to proclaim the not-existent as existent, giving God the time. If it doesn't happen immediately in a supernatural way, then I, I use the first uh, word of God, as it were, with the second word of God, and I go to the doctor. And I ask God to give them wisdom and to bless their hands when they help me. And this is always a work then with the first word of God, with the secondary or second word. Uh, the first is, the uh, and the Lord said, may the earth produce, we eat the bread. And so right now we're eating the spiritual bread. This is that first word of God, which is that spiritual bread, and there's a physical. And so if there's no secondary word of God And Jesus said, when he was hungry, if you remember, there was no bread, uh, the devil said, make these stones into bread. And he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word that comes out of the mouth of God. He meant not that a person will not live by only the second word. He can, a person can be healed by this first uh, word, which is uh, his, uh, his word. Sometimes illness is allowed, and sometimes illness is a result of our sins, and sometimes this is the result even of of the sins of our fathers. And so protect and block us from the curse of poverty. God doesn't want His people to be poor. He did everything for His people, but the world is using them. People of this world are using wealth and the church... for the most part, is in poverty. But God didn't want His church to be in poverty. He wanted to bless the church. And we see that in the first church, there were uh, certain people that were blessed greatly. They were millionaires in the time. But they used these millions for the people that were not as wealthy in the first church to protect and block us from the curse of untimely or early death. If we have not yet grown into full measure of growth, then we have the right, according to God's will, to say, get away from me, death. I, I, I am not ready yet. I have not been grown into full measure of growth in Christ. And so, a, sp- a spiritual person is a person who calmly receives. They are protected from all of this. A person, You can say something against them, but they won't care. You can't harm them. You can harm a person who is carnal, a spiritual one. You can't because he is protected. He can use the shield and protect us from the sinful life that was passed on to us from our fathers. Looking at this list, which contains such intervention from all nature of existing enemy, the Holy Spirit, in the given prayer psalm of David, in the meaning of the name of God's shield, has concealed the inherited lot of the Son of God, in whom and by whom every person collaborating their faith with the faith of God in the name of God's shield is called to be protected from their enemies and also receive the victorious ability to keep and increase the profit received from the silver of our salvation, which we have turned to profit in the in the death of the Lord Jesus, consisting in the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ, and is a component of the promise of imperishable food. And so a shield is not just protection uh from the enemy, but also an offensive, and uh, is also used in offense to uh, kill the enemy, to kill the enemy of unbelief or doubt. Why does doubt come? Because we confess, we don't confess enough. Why does doubt come that God doesn't hear us? Because we confess, we don't confess enough the truth that is in the heart. Considering such a necessary tandem or such a union of God and man, it becomes vital for us to determine in each aspect of our essence the role of God and the role of man. The role of man is confessing, counting yourself dead to sin, living for God, and proclaiming who God is to you, what he's done for you. And God's role is to fulfill our confessions or bring them to pass. If these confessions are the faith of our heart. And for this purpose, as with the previous names of God, called to be the lot of our salvation, it is necessary for us to study four classical questions, which will help us to get to know the essence of our inheritance in the name of God's shield, so that we can provide God with legitimate grounds or foundation he needs to use his name in battle for the adoption of our body. According to scripture, what are the identifications and qualities of the name of God in the purpose of his glorious name, shield? What purpose, being in the role of our protector, did God allocate for himself, and what role has he placed upon us? We already answered that. What conditions do we need to fulfill to provide God with proper grounds or a foundation he needs to allow us to take part in the unsearchable inheritance of his name in the virtue of a living shield of our faith? And by what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we are truly collaborating our faith with the faith of God in the virtue of his name shield? Considering this, we will remember or not forget that all the acts of God relating to his protection are called to happen by collaborating our faith with the faith of God where we see the role of God in the function of our helper and the role of man in the function of the responsible party clearly identified and and outlined. God helps us. He is our helper. He has taken this role upon himself. This is a role that belongs to our wives, to be the helpers. Understand what kind of great role God has. I mean for those men who think that if the wife is helping you, then she is somehow on a social level uh, uh, lower than you are, either a step or two lower. I will remind us that when I just came to America and we were in Woodburn, we were in a church and their one brother comes out and I I just had spoken a word, I was given the word to speak. and. And the subject came up of who is a man before God. And he came out and he told me, this is how we behave uh, with our wives. And he takes his keys and, and throws the keys at her. And she humbly picks it up off the floor and goes and opens the car. Why did he behave this way? Because he was taught this. He was taught that a helper is, she is obedient to everything that you say. Because they say, well, it's written that the wives, they need to listen to their husbands and everything. But I told him, you need to look at what's written there, how the church obeys Christ. That's how the wives need to obey their husbands in all things, as the church obeys Christ. And how does the church obey Christ? It obeys Christ according to the holy scriptures. The scriptures say, if a prophet tells you and says things that are not in the, in the Bible, burn such a prophet or stone them. Because they say what is not in scripture, if your husband will demand from you to, something to violate the, the word in some way, don't fulfill anything he says. If he demands something that is not reasonable or wise, according to you, don't fulfill it because you are not a slave, you're a wife and the jews knew this very well and even at the, in the at the time of of, <clears throat> of of matrimony when they would get married they would give they would ask these questions they asked her do you vow before god that if your husband will study the torah then you will stand for him and with him because they explained that the word helper in hebrew means has three three functions to stand for him to stand with him and to stand against him three different functions exist there and so, how can you stand for him, with him, and against him at, uh, simultaneously? They taught, if he will follow the Torah, the five books, then you will follow for, for uh, stand for him and with him. But if he, he does not, then you need to stand against him. And if she says yes, she vows to do this, then he only will marry them. And so, God created men... And women, according to his image and likeness, and gave the one and the other the name person, the word Eve, the name Eve. Adam gave his wife the name Eve, but he gave her, God gave uh, her the name person or human being. And when the church doesn't know this, they force the world now. And the world now thinks that the wife is lower than the husband. She is not lower. She just has a different role. It's a different function, different role. And the husband has a different role. These two functions are supposed to come together and collaborate. And they need to uh, pretty much uh, complete one the other, the two roles. Right now we're talking about how we need to collaborate our faith with the faith of God because God's faith is the helper. And so when we fulfill our role then we give God the legitimate basis to fulfill his role to help us. And so until we fulfill our role that are listed in the above three uh, roles here, to Uh, put off, uh, be renewed and put on, put on the new person, God will not have any basis uh, to fulfill his role so that he can destroy the stronghold of death in our body and replace it with the erection of the stronghold of life. Not having clear and exhaustive responses to these questions, which are we are able to receive exclusively by being instructed in faith, we will not have any opportunities to turn our silver to profit in the form of the existing in us deposit of salvation so that we can then receive our salvation as a possession in the fruit of our spirit that has grown in the Eden of our heart. And this means that without a strict and voluntary obedience to the preached word spoken by the person who possesses the authority of a father of God and as helpers that are in the same spirit with him, we will not have any opportunities to receive profit in the form of the fruit of righteousness from the seed of guarantee that we have turned to profit or that we have invested. We won't even know how to turn it to profit. For all of the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Second Corinthians one twenty. Apostle Paul says that all of the promises in Jesus Christ you can receive only through us. There is no other way by acknowledging the messenger, not just the word he speaks but also the messenger himself. And we will remember that only that person, that thirst, to hear the word of God drills into this word God gives to the one that thirsts they drill into the word they live by this word abide in this word and this word abides in them is able to stand in battle against the ancient serpent and escape the deceptive nets of the devil so that he can inherit the adoption of his body by the redemption of Christ and so, therefore, without the collaboration of our faith with the power contained in the name of God's shield concealed in our heart, we will not be able to please God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who, com- who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.6 11, thir- 11, in a specific format, where already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the third question, what conditions do we need to fulfill to provide God with proper grounds that he needs to allow us to partake in the unsearchable inheritance of his name, the virtue of a living shield of our faith? Three of the components of the price, giving God the legitimate foundation he needs to allow us to partake in the unsearchable inheritance of his name in the form of the living shield of our faith have already been subjects of our study. I will remind us of them and we will uh then focus on the fourth component first component of the price giving us power to the right to be partakers of the imperishable and unsearchable inheritance of Christ and God that is contained in the power that is in the name of God's shield, consists in fulfilling the condition giving us the ability to worship the Heavenly Father in spirit and in truth. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. John 4, 4, 24, 23. Second component of the price giving us the power to the right to partake in the imperishable and unsearchable inheritance, inheritance of Christ consists in the condition to accept the Gadites who came to us in the wilderness to demonstrate for us the power of the name of God in the virtue of our living shield so that they can uh, enthrone the new person or make him king as they... Uh, came to the wilderness to make David king. Some Gadites joined David at the stronghold in the wilderness. Mighty men of valor, men trained for battle, who could handle shield and spear, whose faces were like the faces of lions and were as swift as gazelles on the mountains. So, uh, First Chronicles twelve eight. Third component of the price, giving us the power to the right to partake in the imperishable and unsearchable inheritance of Christ, so that we have the right then to use the name of God shield. Uh, Consists in obtaining a righteous heart before God. My defense is of God who saves the upright in heart, Psalm seven uh, ten. This means that if we don't have a righteous heart, we will not be able to use God, God's shield. God won't protect us. God only protects those who have a righteous heart, who where grace has been enthroned in the heart and rules in the heart through righteousness. Fourth component of the price giving us the power to the right to partake in the imperishable and unsearchable inheritance of Christ and God, contained in the power of the name of God's shield, taking the hits that are directed at us on himself, is called to consist in walking before God. The command to walk before God is found in more than 200 places in scripture, from which we can conclude that this command to is elevated in rank as a covenant between God and man, which identifies the commandment of the Lord, which will allow us to inherit eternal life when we follow it. To walk before God means to walk in light of the word, which comes from the mouth of God, to walk the path of the Lord, performing righteousness and justice, to be vigilant in prayer, bear the fruits of righteousness uh, to God, command your children and your house to walk the path of the Lord, And so when you command your children and your house to walk the path of the Lord, this is not just your physical children, but also this is to command all your essence because we bear children, we bear fruit, and we need to command ourselves to walk the paths of the Lord. To offer God the sacrifice of praise and the fruit of the mouth that praises God, to have the fruit of righteousness rule within your body, clothe your body into the fruit of righteousness, to show goodness in the fruit of righteousness to the vessels of mercy, to show severity in the fruit of righteousness to vessels of wrath. This is me- what it means to walk before God. The preamble to walking before God is the necessity by being instructed in the faith to learn who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, in the plan of our redemption from sin and death by the blood of the cross of Christ. Walking before God presents the image of perfection that is inherent to our Heavenly Father, presented in the twelve foundations of the wall of the New Jerusalem from the multitude of places of scripture, I will bring forth 12 components, examples of walking before God, although there are many more of them. Therefore, we will keep in mind that for keeping the commandment consisting of walking before God, we are promised a reward, and for defying this command, we are promised punishment. Considering this, the sequence of the components that we are studying uh, will not have a lot of significance, and so we bring forth these components, these examples, but uh, the sequence of them is not important. They can be put in any order. In the previous service, we studied six components already, examples of walking before God. First component of the example of walking before God consists in the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, to receive into the good soil of our heart the seed of promise that drives away death from our carnal body so that we can grow it into the fruit of the Spirit in the name of Methuselah. Second component, the example of walking before God consists in having the fruit of righteousness rule in the name of the three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I won't go back to these, because we already studied this in the previous service. Third component, the example of walking before God, is the necessity, like Abraham, to bear the fruit of righteousness to God, consisting of him leaving his nation, the house of his father, and his soul, so that he can make a covenant with God, manifested in circumcision. Fourth component, the example of walking before God, consists of the need to seek the Lord, to walk in His commandments, and not according to the acts of Israel, who actually are not so mm <clears throat> Fifth component, the example of walking before God consists in the necessity, like David, to establish the kingdom or governance over your personal essence. Sixth component, the example of walking before God is the necessity to listen to his voice in the preached word of his messengers. And now let's study the seventh component, the example of walking before God, providing God with a legitimate foundation to be our living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies, is the necessity to walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness, who walk in the footsteps of the flock and feed their little goats beside the shepherd's tents. We are studying how we walk before God. Tell me, O you whom I love, where where you feed your flock, where you make it it rest at noon for why should i be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions if you do not know fairest among women follow in the footsteps of the flock and feed your little goats besides the shepherds tents songs of solomon one seven eight The paths of righteousness is the direction to the goal of the greater call in Christ Jesus, which lies where the footsteps of the flock are, who follow the word of the person who is clothed into the virtue of a shepherd of the flock. The reward for walking the way of goodness, which are the paths of the righteousness of God, is the right to inherit the land that is the right to live within the promise to us in corrupt body. So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness, for the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth, and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. Proverbs 2.20-22 20 The way of the goodness that God walks is the old or eternal path of the word that comes out of the mouth of God, which leads a person to God. Keeping to the path of righteousness means look at their form or way of life so you can establish the old path of good within your heart. Thus says the Lord, stand in the way and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Also, I set watchmen over you, saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. Meaning, we will not walk in it. That means we have our own own intellect or our our own way of seeing. Because God says, don't walk in the way you see, but what the shepherds tell you. Also, I set watchmen over you, saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not listen. And so, as you see, uh, have them graze or tend your flocks next to the shepherd's tents. But here they say, we will not listen. Therefore, hear you nations. And know, O congregations, what is among them? Hear, O earth! Behold, I will certainly bring calamity on his people, the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded the words, nor by, the, nor my law, but rejected it. Jeremiah six sixteen through nineteen. What is the calamity? The fruit of their thoughts. This is how I understand, and that's what your opinion, in your opinions, is what you will be clothed into. In Scripture, the old path of righteousness and light is presented in the heart of the chosen by God person, in the elementary teaching of Christ, that is imprinted in the Eden of his heart, in the twelve pearly gates of the New Jerusalem, in the twelve foundations of the wall of the New Jerusalem, in the fruit of the trees of life, that grows in the midst of the tree of the street of the new jerusalem and in the twelve precious stones that are placed into the twelve golden settings of the breastplate of judgment of the high priest Therefore, we need to keep in mind that it is by the means of the twelve precious stones that are placed in the twel- into the twelve golden settings on the breastplate of judgment of the high priest do we become warriors in prayer by the means of which we receive the legitimate foundation we need to enter the twelve pearly gates within the boundaries of the new Jerusalem to the treasure of the twelve fruits of the tree of life. It is specifically the growing of the tree of life in the Eden of your heart that is called to make the stronghold of life that is erected in our body by the resurrection of Christ. And so to walk before God is to have a gentle tongue, a wholesome tongue, discipline yourself by the truth that is in your heart. Eighth component, the example of walking before God, providing God with a legitimate foundation to be our living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies is the necessity by the means of your goal-oriented prayer to provide God with a legitimate foundation to deliver our soul from death and keep our feet from falling. In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling? That I may walk before God in the light of the living. Psalm fifty-six, eleven or 13 That I may walk before God in the light of the living. Until we pay to God our vows, consisting of fulfilling our role in the covenant made between us and God, our soul will not be delivered from death in which she remains by the fact of her birth from the sinful seed of her father's, containing in herself the genetic program of lawlessness. We will not have any opportunity to walk before the face of God in the light of the living. And God will not have any le- any legitimate grounds upon which he- to show himself in the form of our living shield, so that he can take upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies, who live within our body and out of our body. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts you have... Made me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Psalm 51, 5 through 10. When God once told the prophet Ezekiel, he took him out into a field and there were a lot of dry bones there. And he told him, "...you see these bones, son of man, you see these dry bones, can they live?" And Ezekiel said, "...you know, Lord." And he said, "...tell these dry bones that they come together and that they be covered with sinews and and flesh, and then breathe breathe life into them, and uh, there will be many people." And so, this thought here, the same thought in, in the book of David, in, in, in the psalm of David, so that the bones you broken may rejoice. Bec- and why are they scattered? Because in the death of the Lord Jesus, we will be scattered, but in His resurrection, we will rejoice. And so, when we sow ourselves, we will always mourn. Uh, sowing with with weeping as it is allow me to hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities create in me a clean heart O god and renew a steadfast spirit within me and this only happens through the death and resurrection of christ psalm 51 5 through 10 and so When a person does not understand how to submerge himself into the death of the Lord Jesus, when he just says, Lord, I submerge myself into your death, that's not how it happens. You need to say, Lord, according to your word, I die for my nation, the house of my father, and for my corrupt or destructive desires. This is what it's talking about. This is submerging yourself into the death of Christ. We die for our nation because our nation, the culture of our nation, it governed over us. We were dependent on it. We were dependent on our house. We were dependent of our life in the flesh. But when we arise in the resurrection of Christ, we no longer depend uh, on these three institutes of power. They depend on us. Now our nation depends on us. Now we are a light to our nation and we can save it. We are a light for the house of our father and we can save it. We are a light for our soul and we can save it. In a prayer that provides God with legitimate grounds to deliver our soul from from death and our feet from falling so that we can walk before the face of God in the light of the living and in this way provide God with legitimate grounds to be our living shield taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies. This prayer where we, in the death of the Lord Jesus, as we just said, are called to die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our corrupt desires of our soul, which is part of our role, which which will provide God with legitimate grounds to fulfill His role, to hide His face from our sins, and blot out all of our iniquities, create a clean heart within us, and renew a steadfast spirit within us, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. 1 Peter 1, 18 21. And so we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold We, when we die for our nation the house of our father and our and our flesh of life if we haven't died for these things and we say Lord I accept your promise I am redeemed from the sinful uh, or aimless conduct received by tradition he, God will say well how is that because you haven't died for it uh, redemption means that you need to in the death of the Lord Jesus die for your house the house of your father but you haven't done so I can't do anything for you in this case. You don't give me the proper basis, the foundation I need to do this. You don't walk before me. We are studying how to walk before God. Ninth component, the example of walking before God, providing God with a legitimate foundation to be our living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies, is the necessity to circumcise the foreskin of our heart so that we can receive the proper grounds to clothe our heart into the fear of the Lord, which will give us the ability to love the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him? To walk in all his ways is to walk before God and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. Indeed, heaven. And so, all of this means to walk before God, what we just read. Indeed, so that it be for your good. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord, your God. Also, the earth with all that is in it. The Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them, and he chose their descendants after them. You above all peoples. These are fathers in the faith, of course. it's referring fathers in the faith. You above all people, as it is this day. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart, and be stiff-necked no longer. You see how it says here, uh, uh, by the prophet, not circumcise yourself in the flesh, but the foreskin of your heart and be stif- stiff-necked no longer because circumcising the foreskin does not make you, does not uh, remove the stiff-neckedness or hard-heartedness while your heart is not circumcised. But when your heart is circumcised, then you will no longer be stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast, and take oath in his name." He is your praise, and he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt with 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in multitude. Deuteronomy ten twelve through 22. If you pay attention here, this is walking before God. In the given place of scripture, a component of the path upon which God walks is justice, which he administers to the fatherless and widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing, which is implied to us a commandment to love the fatherless, the widow, and the stranger as God loves them. And to receive this ability, we need to walk before God is to love the fatherless, widow, and stranger. We need to receive this ability, we need to circumcise the foreskin of our heart. That is, in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, die by the law, for the law, so we can live for the one that died and resurrected. So that we not be stiff-necked, and in turn, this will make us able to fear God, serve Him only, to Him hold fast, and take oaths in His name. To possess the state of fatherlessness means, in the death of the Lord Jesus, die for your father's house. When do we die... When we die in the death of the Lord Jesus for the for the house of our father, we become fatherless. This is a virtue. To possess the state of a widow means in the death of the Lord Jesus, die for your fleshly life in the form of governing sin, the governance of which represents our husband within our body. To possess the state of a stranger means in the death of the Lord Jesus to die for your nation in the form of our nationality. 10th component, the example of walking before God, providing God with legitimate grounds to be our living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies, is the need to not make for yourself idols or carved images, not rear up for yourself sacred pillars or engraved stones to bow down to them. You will keep the Sabbaths and revere the sanctuary. You will walk according to God's statutes and keep God's commandments and perform them." This means to walk before God. You shall not make idols for yourselves, neither a carved image. When we do not make idols for ourselves and carved images, we walk before God, but when we make uh, idols and carved images, we now walk before them and not God. This is how I, this is my opinion. This is already a, a idol because you walk according to your own opinion. You shall not make idols for yourself, neither a carved image nor a sacred pillar, shall you you rear up for yourself, nor shall you set up an engraved stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbath and and reverence my sanctuary. If you have the ability and you don't come to the service, that means you do not revere the sanctuary, you don't honor the Sabbath of the Lord. And this, of course, applies to me first. This applies to me first and then everyone else. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely." I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts, and the sword will not go through your land. You will chase your enemies, and they shall fall by the sword before you. Your sword is the confessions of the faith of your heart. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you, for I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply you and confer my covenant with you. You shall eat the old harvest and clear out the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall... Be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves. I have broken the bonds, the bands of your yoke, and made you walk upright. Leviticus twenty six, one through thirteen. I have brought you out of the Egypt of your soul. I have delivered you from the power of your soul. Our idols and our carved images are quite often not just our nationality, the house of our father and our corrupt desires, which we clothe into garments of pseudo-godliness, but also love for money, gifts gifts of the Holy Spirit, anointing and all other blessings that are actually supposed to be or are called to be our servants. They are not called to be our masters and not called to, they're called to be our servants. When we first do not make for ourselves such idols and do not place ourselves in dependence of the blessings of the Lord, then God receives the legitimate basis he needs to be our God. Second, when we honor the Sabbath of the Lord, we don't leave our church, as many do, and honor the the sanctuary of the Lord by separating our tithes and offerings from our house with joy and bring them into the house of the Lord, which are our churches, then we behave according to the statutes of God and His commandments. Then our reward, which is God's role and His prerogative, Because to reward us again is God's role, God's prerogative in the covenant that is made between God and us will be that God will give us rain in its season and our land will yield its produce and the trees of our field will yield their fruit and our threshing will last till the time of vintage And the vintage of grapes will last till the time of sowing. We will eat our bread to the full. We will dwell in our land safely, because God will give peace in our land. We will lie down, and none will make us afraid, because God will rid our land of evil beasts. The sword will not go through our land, and we will chase our enemies away. Our enemies will fall by the sword before us. Five of us will chase a hundred, and a hundred of us will We'll put 10,000 to flight. Our enemies will fall by the sword before us. God will look on us favorably and make us fruitful, multiply us and confirm his covenant with us. We will eat the old harvest and clear out the old. And so when God will look at us favorably and make us fruitful, we will grow fruits of promise. We will eat the old harvest and clear out the old. Because of the new, God will set his tabernacle among us. And his soul will not abhor us. He will walk among us and be our God. He will be, and we will be his people. Eleventh component, the example of walking before God, providing God with legitimate foundation, to be our living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are are directed at us by our enemies, is the necessity to put the word of god into your heart and into your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand and they will be as frontlets before your eyes also to teach them to your children speaking to them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way when you lie down and when you rise up and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates therefore you shall lay up These words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Then your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which, which... land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens above the earth. For if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to hold fast to him, That is to walk before God, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you, and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than than yourselves. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours from the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even to the western sea shall be your territory. God speaks uh, of the territory the boundaries into which that that he's giving you no man shall be able to stand against you the Lord your God will put the dread of you and the fear of you upon all the land where you tread just as he has said to you and so what belongs to us when we step upon the territory that belongs to us God will bring this uh, dread and fear upon the those that are in that area area upon those who are using our land. Behold, I said before you today, today a blessing and a curse, the blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today, to go after other gods which you have not known. Now it shall be, when the Lord your God has brought you into the land which you go to possess, that you shall put the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount be- On Mount Ebal, are they not on the other side of the Jordan toward the setting sun in the land of the Canaanites who dwell in the plain opposite Gilgal beside the terebinth tree of Mori? For you will cross over the Jordan and go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and you will possess it and dwell on it. And you shall be careful to observe all the statutes and judgments which I set before you today. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen through thirty two, considering that all of these words were spoken to the nation of Israel by the mouth, the mouth of Moses and Aaron, whom God has placed to tend His inheritance, His His inheritance Israel, who were called to inherit His oath promises to give to them and their descendants as an inheritance the promised land, which symbolically is our incorrupt or our imperishable body. The word of Moses represented the law-given power of God in the function of the planted seed of truth. At the same time, the word of Aaron represented the fulfilling power of God in the function of a water of the received by a seed of truth. To walk the ways of the Lord and inherit the promised to us land in the form of an incorrupt body from which all nations shall be driven out, those nations being unclean thoughts and desires which we have these are illnesses, all inherited curses, which we have inherited by the sinful seed of our fathers in the flesh. For this purpose, it is necessary for us first to lay up the words of God into our heart and into our soul that, receive, that we receive from God's messengers. And this means <clears throat> collaborate the reasonable abilities of our new person with the reasonable abilities of our soul, which we have renewed with the spirit of our mind collaborating of our the collaboration of our mind with our our spirit and this means for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God nor indeed can be for those who are in the flesh cannot please God Romans 8 5 through 8. And so, to place the truth into your into yourself is to collaborate your your mind with your spirit. Second, bind the word as a sign on your hand and make them frontlets between your eyes. The Jews literally would make uh, would gird their mind uh, with their they would they would they would uh, tie something uh, a bind around their head, and uh, and they would write things on it. <coughs> And they would also uh, bind their hand as well. They would write uh, the commandments uh, in very fine print. And they would have a capsule when you when you go into their house. Even in hotels, there's a capsule and the Ten Commandments uh, are there. So you'll pull it out and, and read it. And so the Jews, they would... Uh, they, they do this and they put it a little something where they could put it, uh, on a bind they put on their hand, but they live as Satan, but then do this also. So in scripture, the symbol of the hand upon which you bind the word of truth is a gentle or meek tongue or a tongue that is disciplined with the bridle of gentleness. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 15, four, the symbol of, And so, the hand is, again, the confessions of of our mouth. The symbol of the word that is a frontlet between our eyes is girding the loins of your mind with the truth that is concealed in your heart, which will allow us to be vigilant in prayer and trust upon the given to us grace in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you in, is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. First Peter one thirteen through fifteen. The thoughts that are concealed in our our soul identify the essence of our true state. The kind of as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs twenty three seven. You'll say Jesus lives there. The truth is in the heart, but in your mind, your thoughts. If your thoughts don't have this, and you have random things always going on there, then the kind of thoughts you, are, you have is who you are. And we talked about that, that in Jesus Christ, there are no birds that fly uh, uh, above you. Symbolizing thoughts. If the loins of our mind will be girded with truth that is concealed in our heart, and we will be standing guard of our mind so that we not allow into our heart any uncircumcised thought, we, by the example of the Holy One who has called us, will be holy in all of our actions. Third, teach this word to your children, speaking. ...of them when we sit in our, in our house, when we walk in our way, when we lie down, and when we rise up, and write them on the doorposts of our house and on our gates. It's interesting, right? Uh, teach this word to your children... And so, in some uh, translations, it just says, teach them to your sons. And so, why does it identify just sons as it were? This is symbolic. Children and the symbol of our children, regardless of our gender, are the words of truth that are concealed within our heart, which we confess with our mouth, that can be the seed of truth with which we fertilize our heart, as well as fruit that is grown in the good soil of our heart. And so we teach, when we confess, it's written, when you, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, always control your thoughts, is what it's saying. And so where are your thoughts when you walk on the road, when you're driving, where are your thoughts at this time? When you go to bed, when you r- rise up, when you walk in your way. Of course, this doesn't mean that physically... Uh, you don't need to tell your children. It'd be good that you tell your children these things also, your physical children. Jews did this literally. They would tell their children going to bed. They always reminded them when they rise, they reminded them. When they walked in the on, in their way, they would always teach them the law. The symbol of the doorposts of our house is our body and our spirit. If you remember, there, uh, the doorposts and the lintel, the lintel is the soul, and one of the doorposts is the soul. The other is is the body, and one is the spirit. And so, where the spirit connects with the soul, uh, there we're immortal. And when our the place where our body connects with our with our soul is is corrupt or perishable. The symbol of the doorposts of our house is our body and our spirit. The symbol of our gates is our soul that connects our body and our spirit. Summing up these symbols, we come to the understanding that the this word is not to depart from our lips, so that we meditate in it day and night, so that we accurately observe all that is written in our heart. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make... You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Joshua one eight. Fourth, when the Lord our God brings us into the land which we go to possess, then we need to proclaim blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal to confirm the above-mentioned commands. And so, when... Then Hiram king of Tyre sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. 2 Samuel 5.11.12 And so when we take the teaching about blessing and cursing and we uh, proclaim and say, Amen, I agree to this, we confirm in this way our salvation, establish it. And I'll take up your time just a little bit more. 12th component, the example of walking before God, providing God with a legitimate foundation to be our living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us, is the need to be taught the way of the Lord upon Mount Zion in the house of Jacob. Isaiah 2, 2 through 3. Now it shall come to pass in the latter day that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountain and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God, of the God of Jacob. He shall teach us his ways. We shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Isaiah 2, 2 to 3. It's necessary to come to this mountain Zion, to the Service where God has focused all of his promises. Amen. Let us bend our knees and and or our heads and pray and let's thank God for the words that we were able to receive today. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the word that we were able to receive today. Today you continue to teach us In what way we need to walk before you so that you can show your mercy that you had shown Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and also all your saints that walk before your face. We thank you that you in these beautiful and precious precious things have shown us what it means to walk before your face. May these words be in our heart. May they be a let in front of our eyes and also be bound upon our, uh, our, our hand. May they be upon our doorposts and our lintel so that we can continuously meditate about your commandments. And these meditations about your commandments are us walking before your face. Thank you for these many different examples. We worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power